Welcome to AWS She Builds Tech Skills with your host, Bobby Shaw and Tamara. Hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of AWS She Builds Tech Skills North America. Welcome to this another exciting episode. I'm Bhavisha Dawada. I'm a senior solutions architect based out of New York, supporting enterprise customers in their journey to the cloud, actually specifically focusing on manufacturing enterprise customers. And I've been at AWS for close to two years now. It's been almost two years working at AWS, and it's definitely been a fun journey. Today, I'm co-hosting this episode. I mean, my first episode alongside Tamara. Tamara, do you want to introduce yourself and tell our audience why you joined the SheBuilds core team? Of course, yeah. Thank you, Vavisha. My name is Tamara Gagliardi. I am also a senior solutions architect. I am based out of Los Angeles, and I've been with AWS for a little over four years now. Um, and I support healthcare life sciences customers, HCLS customers out of Southern California. Um, these are customers in med tech devices. So uh, maybe they develop medical devices or medical implants as well as genomic, uh, genomic customers. Um, these are customers that are studying the genetic information or sequencing for drug discovery or um, for diagnosis of different diseases. And this is actually my second time co-hosting. We did uh, special episodes with She Builds Tech Skills North America celebrating Women's International Day. Um, if you haven't seen the episode, go back in our feed and, and play that video. We talk about women in technical role and share some of our tips. Uh, we also have another member that is helping us behind the scene. This is our moderator, Yusra, who will be in the background addressing any questions that you might have. So feel free to use the chat and interact with us through the chat. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you, Tamara. I think we featured a couple of episodes during the International Women's Day, and I definitely encourage the audience to, to go to our YouTube channel, look at those episodes just in case you've missed them. So thank you for that reminder. Uh, so, so before we dive into the episode, Tamara, maybe quick side talk. I've been very curious these days. I've been reading a lot. I'm sure a lot of us are listening about it, reading about it, generative AI. Generative AI is trending, uh, specifically talking about like ChatGPT, which is like the most famous application for generative AIs, and there are a few others. So I'm curious, Tamara, both for you and the viewers, how do you leverage generative AI or, or any of those applications to make your day-to-day -day life easy? Yeah, this is a hot topic that I keep on reading everywhere in the internet. And like you mentioned, ChatGPT is a chatbot um, by OpenAI. Like other chatbots, you can ask questions and it'll provide answers. I think historically we're used to having chatbots having predetermined or predefined answers. Um, but with ChatGPT, you can ask very complex questions and you'll get complex answers. Um, I was very intrigued as to how it works behind the scenes and how is it that it's able to provide. Um, I'll share some, some of the articles that I've been reading. Um, but it all behind the scenes, it uses a language model architecture called generative 
uh, pre-trained transform, hence GBT. And in addition to that, it also uses supervised learning and reinforcement learning. So for reinforcement learning, I like to share the anecdote that somebody shared with me as to how I can remember what reinforcement learning is. If you were to be training a dog and you provide treats with it, with the dog as you're training it, probably will keep doing those tricks. Uh, very similarly with algorithms, if you provide rewards to that training, then it will continue on that path. Whereas supervised learning, it uses label data sets to train the algorithms and it classifies the data and it also uh, provides predictions on it. The other thing that a lot of people have been mentioning about JetGPT is that it sounds very human-like. And this is related to the fact that behind the scenes is also uh, NLP, so natural processing language. This is an artificial intelligence and AI technology um, that it's used to understand, also analyze and generate human-like language responses. Um, one of the articles that I recently read on our AWS blog, I'll, we'll be sharing um, the link with you on chat. It's uh, a blog that talks about how you can use event-driven serverless architecture in conjunction with JetGPT and DALI or DALI, uh, which is another generative AI solution that generates images. Think of it as like the artistic way of JetGPT. Um, and in this blog, it tells the story about how you can use uh, a combination of the solutions to create bedtime, bedtime stories. Uh, so JetGPT will create the characters and the story, and then DALI will be that painter behind the scenes creating the images. Um, I thought that's, uh, go ahead and, and, and check the blog. It goes more in detail and it provides some visuals. And more closer to my customers in healthcare life sciences, one of the items that I'm super intrigued to see how we continue to develop within generative AI is both drug discovery and um, cancer research or research of other diseases. What about you, Babisha? What have you been reading about or what are you interested in, in sharing about JetGPT? No, I think I think firstly, I love your analogy of reinforcement learning, like using tricks to train the dog. It's very important to like use those analogies to understand this complex uh, terms, right? Complex applications. I see see somebody posted on the chat as well, that great definition. So thank you, Tamara, for walking us through like the foundations behind the scenes on how it actually works. And it's funny, you know, Dolly or Dolly, however you say it, is, is I, I recently stumbled upon it. So I was working on a computer vision proof of concept and I did not have enough images to train my model, right? And that's where I asked Dolly to generate some images for me based on my requirements. So I gave it a text on what exactly I'm looking for, specifically for my manufacturing customer. And then it generated the images for me, which I could leverage to train my computer vision model in AWS as looking using Lookout for Vision and uh, for, for training my model. So interesting, you, you, you talk about Dolly. And just on like 
on my personal fun side i used uh, this one of these generative ai applications i don't remember the name but to get some inspiration for my interior designing right so i was just curious how does this sofa look in my living room so i i asked that application to show me an images so what's going to happen now is you can actually paint a picture with everything that's in your head right so you can actually look at visual i'm very excited of what future holds specifically for like real use cases like the etc CLS customers, the drug discovery use case that you talked about, generative AI for manufacturing. So I'm definitely excited for the future and what how these applications are going to like make things easier and faster, specifically for applications like this. Audience, if you have anything exciting to share on how you have used generative AI applications, we are we are looking forward to to hearing your comments and reading them. While you are thinking about it. Uh, maybe uh, let's let's tomara jump into the video and and do you want to like quickly introduce what the video is about yeah so coming to today's episode we have part 2 of phenops services will be um covering nationwide in our part 1 if you missed it we talked with the director of cloud optimization ursula levac uh, about the business drivers from finops and from nationwide nationwide is the largest was one of the largest insurance and financial services organization in the united states and today we will um, be sharing a story and a, a, a session that we had with jay reed he is a technology service practitioner consultant at nationwide and he shared with us um, how is it that at nationwide they looked at cost optimization um how they work across their teams to look at ways to right sizing ways to um as you're building on AWS making sure that that cost is optimized i've been working with so many customers in um southern california about the same topic so i think this will be very relevant to a lot of our viewers um so let's jump to see the full story Absolutely let me do that. Hello and welcome to AWS Shebels Techskills North America. Today Candace and I are joined by Jay Reed from Nationwide who will share technical details about Nationwide's FinOps implementation. Jay, thank you for being with us today. So to begin with, can you tell us a little more about your background and what do you do in this role at Nationwide? I've I've been in technology for about 20 years most of that time was spent doing server administration uh windows and linux servers and you know that start off obviously with with physical servers and then we got into virtualization um and then eventually the virtualization led to 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 cloud part of my a big part of my job when i was doing physical servers obviously you know racking servers building servers administering them cabling them but another big part was you know quoting we would have a project or we would have requirements and i'd have to take those re- requirements and turn them into a quote for a server where we would go to our vendor and and get that equipment ordered you know it it would take time to put a quote together and then you would order it um you would have to get approval and then depending on what the supply was like at the time you know it could take weeks or even you know months to to get that equipment in so you would you would always want to make sure that uh you were quoting it or sizing it as accurately as possible and you know you'd have to look at the life of the 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 hardware and if it had to last 3 years it would have to be sized for 
how big it would need to be, you know, in three years time. But it, it could be disastrous if, if you order something too small and would have to go back and reorder or, you know, get, get things refunded and, you know, would just really delay the project. Working in cloud, you know, was just a, a dream come true with the ease of, you know, spinning something up and how quickly you could do it. So that, that was amazing too. Um, and then the other thing is there's zero upfront costs, you know, basically when you spin up a resource, you start paying for it. And it, when you stop it or terminate it, you, you stop paying for it. In my current role, you know, a lot of the time we have to look at, at what resources we have deployed and, and make sure they're sized appropriately. They're not oversized or they're not idle. It's kind of, kind of the opposite. Um, we don't want to build anything uh, for how our sized what it needs to be in three years time it needs to be sized appropriately for now so you know you want to start small you know with the elasticity of of aws and the cloud you know just you know increase it to to what you need it to be i i think jay explained it perfectly right faster time to market elasticity and then cost savings i think those are the key benefits of using the cloud so jay very impressive i think i'm very impressed by your your career journey so far yeah that's really great Thank to you. hear Definitely the things that we like to promote um, through using um, the cloud. So beautiful. So now that you are at Nationwide and you're doing this stuff in, on your team um, with FinOps and kind of optimizing all these things, can you talk a little bit about um, the cloud teams at Nationwide and how your team works with those teams? So I'm, I'm on a, a, a cost optimization team um, and we do you know chargebacks, as well as looking at our, our current resources, make sure they're sized appropriately and, you know, kind of mi minimizing waste. And we also look for anomalies. Like um, if there's spikes in spending, um, we want to dig into those right away and make sure, you know, something's not broken or it could be intentional, but we, we want to determine that quickly. So I'm on a team of about uh, seven people. Um, we all have kind of different backgrounds. I would say, you know, there's there's some people on the team with, with financial backgrounds, project management backgrounds. Like I said, um, have an engineering background and that kind of server administration. So my function on the team is, is to be a little bit more technical and to be, you know, kind of a technical liaison with our other uh, technical cloud teams, like our security team or our infrastructure team or our DevOps team. So that that that's my role on the team is to, to interface with those other teams and, you know, be a bridge. That, that's amazing, right? Your team is like central to so many other teams within the organization. So Jay, how do you coordinate like with so many divisions, so many people you have to interact and manage? How do you coordinate your communication with these different teams? Yeah, so we, we call our um, application teams um, B, BSA teams. Um, and like I said, there's, there's six of us that are actively interfacing with these BSAs. Um, so we've kind of divided all the BSAs uh, at Nationwide among us, and, and we each have like an area that we work with. Um, we also have a tool called Halo that allows us to um, ingest uh, work or tickets um, from many of our BSAs, and it, it you know, um, turns them into uh, GitHub, GitHub cards that, that we can work on. Can you show us? Is that something that you would be able yeah, to absolutely. show us how that works? At yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think I have a visual of that. I really like that you call it Halo, too. It's like your angels coming to help <laughs> the team. So that's pretty nice. <laughs> so this is uh, this is our Halo intake form. And basically, if they choose 
general consulting and then cost guidance that will come to my team. Um, there, there's some other choices they could have that, that would send it to a different uh, technical team. But th this is um, how we, we ingest the, 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 the cards for just our team. So what happens next? We put in a request and then um, how do you filter those, those requests? So, so yeah, you, they put in a request, it gets turned into a, a GitHub card, um, and it hits our repo, which we monitor. We get an email when something new hits. Um, we determine, you know, who to assign that to based upon, you know, who handles that BSA, or it could even be um, someone might have a special skill. So then we get that um, assigned out, and then, you know, that personal contact, uh, the requester, um, and either, you know, it could be as simple as like in a quick answer in an email, or if it's you know more complicated than that, then we would, we would schedule meetings. Yeah, a task management system, right? Like with with basically sorted by expertise. This is great. Is this something that's ingrown, uh, homegrown? I mean, Che. Yeah, this. Yeah, this is uh, a tool that's been internally built and and yeah. maintained. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, so with your primary responsibility of cost optimization. Jay, is there any specific optimization wins that you would like to share with our audience here, right? Like, how did you identify the problem? How did you come to a solution and any quantifiable results that you were able to achieve with that solution? So we, we use Trusted Advisor a lot and the recommendations on Trusted Advisor. Um, so again, we, we split those out among our BSAs and then we communicate with them on a monthly basis to say, hey, you know, here's some optimizations you can take advantage of and, you know, the, with the potential cost saving. We'll look at EC2, RDS, EBS, all those those recommendations to communicate those out. But another part of my role is to look at kind of enterprise-wide optimizations we can make, you know, at, at kind of like uh, the enterprise level. So uh, one of the things that we've done this year is um, we've implemented S3 intelligent tiering which I don't know if, if you're not familiar with it, it'll monitor uh, your S3 usage. And if the, the data isn't being accessed frequently, it will drop it to a, a lower tier um, that's that's cheaper. So we were able to implement that across the, the whole enterprise. We saw a 40% cost savings. Um, that is awesome. Uh, and I love intelligent tiering because it's a checkbox. It's a very easy thing to implement. So if if for anyone who is watching this right now, you're not using intelligent tiering, you should do that. Um, as you just heard here, it saved nationwide 40% on their bill. So I think that's amazing. Also, another quick little plug for another um, AWS mechanism that we have is our well-architected review. And as part of that, we have multiple pillars in there. I think there's six. And one of them is a cost optimization pillar. If you do have um, an account team, your um, solutions architect like Bavisha or I could, could do that with you. But also that particular pillar, that cost optimization pillar is something that a FinOps team or a team like Jay's team can really help you with. So I just like those sort of things. Um, also like to drop little plugs for for what we can do, what you can do, and you know how to optimize your cloud better. So Jay, probably the final question maybe for you today is what comes next? What do you have in your pipeline? Um, is there anything that you would like to do next, whether that's with your, um, your GitHub boards or um, an optimization that you would like to do within Nationwide? The way intelligent tiering works is, it, you know, data that isn't accessed frequently will fall to the, the next lowest tier. And if it's continually not accessed, it'll fall to the next lowest tier. Um, and what we're talking about is like when it hits that low, lowest tier, we should do some automation that will just delete the data at that point, some other way to, to archive it. 
One more thing that I wanted to talk about real quick, though, is we are using the AWS cost anomaly detector to detect spikes, see any unusual spend. So um, the, the great thing about that tool is you can subscribe to notifications where it'll send you an email when one of these anomalies is detected. And I've used Microsoft Power Automate to turn those emails into a chat so my team uh, monitors. And whenever, you know, anomaly is detected, uh, it goes into the chat. We can all see it at the same time and we can even chat about it in the team's chat. Like, um, can someone take a look at this? Do we, do we think this is significant or, you know, does anyone know what's causing that? So that's, that's, uh, another real neat thing that, that we've done recently. I think that's amazing, right? We call it like AWS provides you the Lego box and it's up to your creativity on how you want to leverage our services. Like in this case, you've actually turned it into a yeah. chat message so that you can chat with your internal stakeholders. So it's, it's amazing to, to hear such innovative solutions built on AWS. That's awesome. So. Um, really like to hear your story, um, how you've been able to save um, nationwide some some money over time and kind of optimize some things. Also, really great to hear people's career journey. I think that's an important piece of the She Builds program as well. Just how do people get to where they are today? today. So. Um, that is going to wrap up our interview with you today, Jay. I just want to thank you for being here with us. Um, and thank you, Bavisha, for being my partner in this interview. Um, I really hope that people, our, our viewers today, have learned something that they can take back to their AWS accounts and to start saving a little bit of money. So thanks. Yeah, thank you, Jay. And thank you, Candice, for this. Sure. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Awesome. I think I think that was very interesting, right? Both his journey and, and the problem that he talked about. So talking about journey first, I think it when we talk about the cloud, it's also a mindset change. And Jay very well talked about how we had to change from the on-prem mindset to the cloud mindset. Like you cannot no longer control the infrastructure and you have to give away that responsibility, but you get a lot more benefits in, in, in with the, with using the cloud. So that's amazing. Thank you, Jay, for sharing that and talking about the problem, right? Tamara as cloud financial management is becoming very important, right? It, especially with this macroeconomics change, the customers have been asking us on how to optimize cost in the cloud. And it's always been a top priority for us as solutions architect here at AWS, right? How can we help our customers run cost-optimized workloads in the cloud? So curious, Tamara, as a solutions architect, what do you do for your customers to help them achieve their cost goals? So Jay touched on a lot of great uh, best practices, like starting from monitoring. Without monitoring and alerting, you have no insight into your spend, into maybe um, I've seen across customers, maybe each team will have a, a project um, and maybe that budget is not allocated or they have no visibility into um, what their spend is. One thing that I have implemented and uh, across different customers and helped them implement something called the Cloud Intelligent Dashboard or Kudos, C-U-D-O-S, if you want to um, search for it. But we're also posting the link uh, in the chat. Um, and with this, this is a visualization that uses Amazon QuickSight. Amazon QuickSight is a business intelligence service, um, and it consumes the cost and usage report. This is 
what are the services that you're using, how much are you using of them. And it creates this visual um, that across different teams, what they have done, and a lot of the customers are implementing this, is being able to look back and have that near real-time um, information about how much those projects that they're running are costing them, and then also being able to supplement with other solutions um, such as Trusted Advisor or doing uh, right-sizing of those um, services that they're using. So uh, along the, that too, I've been uh, scheduling bi-weekly touch syncs with some of my customers to review that information and um, just maybe some of the best practices that I've seen, looking at savings plans. Um, these are ways that you can reduce sometimes up to 72% uh, compared to on-demand spend by being able to commit to either one year or three year. Um, and also looking at maybe your license usage. Uh, we have a program called uh, AWS Optimization and License Agreement or OLA, which helps you review currently your licenses. Um, and we, we help you find more optimal ways of running those workloads. And I think lastly, um, is also looking at ways that you can improve both your code and also your architecture. Sometimes looking at more modern architectures will end up um, saving you on that cost. So if you're intrigued, I encourage you to check out the Cloud Intelligence Dashboard Workshop, which um, goes more in depth. And it's related to what was mentioned on the, um, on the video earlier about the wall architecture review. Yeah, no, I think I think I totally agree. And thank you for sharing kudos. Kudos has helped a lot of customers, right? G gain more visibility into their organization cost or account level cost. And I think I talk about this in the video as well. We provide you with the Lego blocks. We provide you with the self-service tools. And it's up to your creativity on how you mature your application and how much information can do you want to look at, right? So it's interesting. And it's, it's interesting to sometimes see how customers have matured or built applications on this Lego blocks. Jay also talks about a homegrown solution that they leveraged uh, to, to build an application that they use today. And uh, so talking about kudos, right? Or, or let's say talking about S3 storage lens, what you could do is you can integrate with so many different services and get notification, get notified when there's an abnormal behavior. So like I said, you can use this Lego blocks to actually build a pipeline to get more visibility into the cost. And I see a question on the, on the chat here about, about a technical question so just like uh, touching upon that right so we also have a very good community where you can ask your questions it's called repost.aws uh, right so you can you can basically use that community site if you do not have an account team assigned to you you can use that community to ask your technical questions and a lot of folks like us are very active on that community and should get answers to you so so post your question there craft code here and we'll be happy to answer that uh, I think I went a little tangential there, but coming back to cost optimization. Uh, so I think Tamara, you brought up a very good point, right? It's not always optimizing the cost of applications running in the cloud, but you could also bring 
on-prem applications to the cloud, modernize it, just like you mentioned, and also have a more cost-optimized approach to running your application. So it's an interesting perspective that cost optimization is not always about workloads running in the cloud, but you could also take something that's outside of the cloud, bring it in the cloud, and use more cloud-native technologies like purpose-built databases, serverless to, to save costs. So thank you for sharing that insight. I think experience helps, and you've, you've helped a lot of your customers saving costs. So great insight for the audience. Audience, if you have any questions on cost optimization, please feel free to post them in the chat. But meanwhile, I see one question in the chat that maybe I'll touch upon a little bit is issues communicating complex technical concepts to non-technical stakeholders or customers. Wow, this is interesting. So thank you for that question. Uh, yes, yes, it's difficult. I mean, because you, you, learn and breed in technology, you think everybody understands what you are talking about, but it's important to take a step back, understand the audience, and then design your, your conversation with the audience, right? So let's say you are communicating with non-technical stakeholders, it's important to keep your information at the level where it basically is more towards the business rather than about the technology implementation. But if you're communicating with technology stakeholders, it's important to dive deep and talk about the technical architecture. So that's my take. Uh, knowing your audience well is very important. And we talk about this all the time, right? So when we are, we are talking in sessions, it's important to know your audience and build, build the content based on your audience. So that's my one, two cents on, on that question. Tamara, anything you want to add? Yeah, I was going to say that's exactly how we have uh, been building the sessions. We bring in first the, the business perspective uh, that speaks to that business user. And um, usually at, uh, at Amazon, we tell customers that we like to work backwards from their business initiatives and then lay on the technology and the architecture. Um, so things that have worked for me in the past is really understanding that audience. Like what, what is the pain point that they're looking to address from a business perspective and maybe not jumping into the solutioning. As architects, yeah. we love services. We love uh, uh, designing architectures. And sometimes we jump too quick into the solutioning without understanding which language or, or wh what kind of storytelling we can tell that business user or that non-technical user. I think uh, you brought a, a good point, Babisha, earlier when I mentioned uh, reinforcement learning with the example of like training a dog, like you were going to be training your algorithm. So that is, is kind of a, a way of changing from a very technical and uh, maybe more complex the complex topic to something, maybe an analogy that is more relatable to non-technical people. Um, so analogies are a tool set that I usually try to, uh, to use when I'm explaining very complex topics. Good point. Yeah. And I've been guilty of it myself. Sometimes we create the problem because we know the solution, right? So I've seen this happening with me. I, I'm sure a lot of technical folks are when we see this amazing things like blockchain and this and that in the market. We're like, how do I leverage this? How do I get my hands dirty with this technology? But like you said, it's important to work backwards from a business problem and have all these technology solutions in your back pocket. So yeah. thank you for sharing that insight, Tamara. Uh, maybe the yeah. fun fun part of the episode now, I think we'll ha we have a question for the day for the audience and you, this is an opportunity to win some cool prizes. So the question for the audience is, what storage optimization 
service that nationwide leverage that helped them save some cost and jay talks about this at the very end of the episode so let us know if you if you if you heard the episode if not go back replay it but the question is what is that one tech cost optimization technology that nationwide leverage to save some cost this year I was uh, going to mention just uh, looking at everything that we covered. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a, a wrap for us. Um, thank you very much, uh, Bavisha, for co-hosting with me and behind the scenes, Yusra, for interacting with our audience. There were a lot of questions that came through uh, and a lot of interaction from the audience. So thank you very much.